0: Welcome to a new episode of Be Heard, a podcast brought to you by Noisy Trumpet, a digital and public relations agency based in San Antonio, Texas. In this podcast, we will help listeners navigate beyond the noise of the digital marketing and public relations landscape by speaking with notable members of the media and community leaders about the latest industry trends, news, and challenges. Today, I am joined by Jack Hawthorne, CEO of Keller Williams Heritage and recent recipient of the San Antonio Business Journal, C-Suite Award for his leadership during COVID. Thank you so much for talking with us, Jack.
1: Thank you for having me, Ms. Candice.
0: Now, your experience goes well beyond real estate. You're a licensed attorney and financial expert, which is why we are turning to you today to talk about the U.S. economy. Now, we've seen and heard it in the news headlines everywhere, a possible recession. But can you explain to our listeners how we even got here?
1: Absolutely. So the reason that we are in a recession, that's really something that a lot of people don't like to talk about. They've recently kind of changed the definition of what a recession is, but by the normal accepted definition of what a recession is, which is two consecutive negative quarters of GDP growth, we're in a recession. The way we got here is because whenever COVID first, you know, came on the scene early March 2020, we had a choice as a country, we were either going to have a recession and a plague, or we were just going to have a plague and do a recession later. And so what the, the federal government decided to do is said, Look, I don't think we can handle both of these things at the same time. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make money. Really, really, really cheap for people to borrow. And since the entire US economy runs off of debt, it made real estate go crazy, production, manufacturing, everything went nuts. And so, what had happened is by doing that, we created all this new money, we inflated our currency, we made things way more expensive because now everyone had way more discretionary income. And because of that, we pushed the recession off. And we're now dealing with the effects of what we would have had then. But instead of doing it, with COVID, we now are essentially past COVID and we just have to deal with the recession.
0: So in your opinion, who will see the biggest hit from a recession?
1: So everyone is going to get hit in one way or the other. The people that typically get hit the hardest by the recession are going to be folks that rely on like the day-to-day low-level consumer spending. So if you are an employee at a gas station, at a grocery store, a Walmart, it's possible that There are going to be a lot more layoffs because when a recession is officially announced, most companies will freak out. They'll freak out. They'll do layoffs. They'll say, "Okay, we're not going to have as much spending, so we don't need as much staff.
0: And how close are we to a recession becoming a reality?
1: So we're in a recession. You know, that's we had two consecutive quarters where GDP went backwards. And because of that, by definition, we're in a recession. Now, a recession hasn't officially been declared by the federal government. And the reason they haven't is because even though GDP has gone backwards, our employment numbers are still amazing. There are way more people employed than we've had for a very long time. um, And it's really actually hard to fill jobs, which we've seen you know, media and a lot of different stuff. And so because the job market is so strong, the federal government's like, well, maybe we're not actually in a recession. Maybe we just have other problems.
0: So some economists say, you know, we just discussed it right now. That there's waffling between the idea of saying we're not in a recession, others saying we could be heading to a depression. What's your reaction to all these varied opinions?
1: So I think what really matters is what you can control. Because the day that we officially went into a recession by definition, I think everyone universally noticed that the clouds didn't catch on fire. You know, nothing fell from the sky that I'm aware of everything typically worked out okay and so the more people freak out we basically want to avoid artificially creating a problem you know i know that you know we're based in san antonio and so for those in san antonio you'll know exactly what i'm talking about once a year every year for the last 6 years san antonio has accidentally created an artificial gas crisis Someone somewhere said, I think we're running out of gas. And then everyone freaked out. And then everyone freaked out about freaking out. And then you have lines at the gas station at four o'clock in the morning. And then two days later, everything goes back to normal because there wasn't a problem. And so we have these self-fulfilling prophecies where if everyone says the economy's going down, the economy's going down. Well, the economy typically suffers at that point because people sit on cash. They don't spend money. And then we have new problems.
0: I want to turn to the housing market now. So the housing market is already a hot topic. How will a recession impact home buyers and
1: owners? Sure, in a couple of different ways. And there's some positive ways and some negative ways. So, one of the things that happen in a recession is that money gets more expensive. And that's because the federal government's trying to control you know, inflation and bring things down. When money gets more expensive, it becomes harder to buy a home because where you may have qualified to buy a home at interest rate, you may not be able to get the same level of loan that you did before because at a 5% interest rate, it may cost you $2,000 a month to service your note. Whereas at a 7% interest rate, it may cost you 3,000. And so because of that, you can no longer afford that house. And so it keeps people out of the market that would have normally bought in One of the negative things that does happen during a recession, though, is because prices are going to stabilize, but it becomes harder to buy homes because the interest rates rents skyrocket. So in the last 12 months, we've seen rents go up over 21 percent in San Antonio, which is absolutely crazy. And then the other side of this where it's really positive is that if you're a real estate investor, for the first time in years, you can actually get a deal. Buyers are coming back into the market that were beat up by fatigue. You know, they didn't have a lot of cash, but now they can actually negotiate and get deals done. And so it's a really interesting dynamic because when you look at the numbers for real estate, it actually looks like we reset to 2019. So we went back to a normal, relatively balanced market, pre-COVID, pre-crazy stimulus, pre-2% interest rates. This is just a normal real estate market but because we got so used to this just hyper aggressive market, now it kind of feels terrible.
0: Some media outlets are saying there is a home builder recession. What is that? And how have financial challenges changed what home builders are doing now?
1: So it's a lot harder to build 150 houses at once than it is to build one because to get the level of materials you need to do it in the right order, because, you know, for instance, when you're framing a home, until you have windows in, you can't put sheetrock up because it's going to get moldy and nasty and whatever it is. And so you just get stuck with these supply line issues, which means the builders are really backed up in what they want to build. Now, supply lines have started to clear up. They're certainly not back to normal nor will they be anytime soon, but the builders have been able to secure what they need. I know specifically in San Antonio, we have a ton of inventory coming on the market from builders and That also opened up quite a bit because a lot of people that had qualified to buy new built homes, it may have taken a year and a half to two years to build that house because they just didn't have the supplies. Well, what happened in that year and a half to two years is interest rates also went up 2%, 3%. Those people now can't buy that home anymore. And so because of that, you had a lot of people fall out from contract, you know, a healthy real estate market is right at six months of inventory. And that means it takes about six months for all the inventory to completely roll over. Right now, we're still sitting at 11 weeks. And so we still have a long way to go before at a quote unquote balanced market. However, We still have a lot of demand, we still have a huge shortage in supply, and we have a really interesting dynamic where buyers also have some negotiation power because a lot of people are just priced out of the market. So you don't have as many buyers as you could, you still have way more buyers than you have.
0: Now, I'm a millennial, which means this would be the second recession I lived through since the financial crisis from 2007 and 2008. Now, there was a CNBC article I came across that says experiencing a financial crisis has actually made millennials more proactive in how they're managing money. What advice do you have for millennials trying to manage their finances?
1: I think that's a great question. First of all, bump it for being a millennial. (laughs) I'm also a millennial, uh, which is something that I take a tremendous amount of uh, heat for. Usually people think people think I'm a lot older than I am because I'm grumpy and and bald. And so because of that, no one really uh, they don't really consider like, oh, he's still a millennial. Uh, The biggest financial advice I can give to millennials is that money in the bank beyond your nest egg and what makes you feel psychologically comfortable is dead money you know, it's losing right now, eight to 11% of its value every year. And so money that's not deployed into the market in some way or another is not going to help you. And so I mean, I can tell you, like, when I was growing my businesses, when I was growing my personal net worth, for my first, like, until my net worth was well over seven figures, I was broke like, because every dollar I made, I would immediately shove it into real estate or stocks or crypto or something where it can grow and actually do things. And it's a beautiful time right now, even though it seems terrifying to do that, because everything is down. And, you know, we've always said, and I think it's a Warren Buffett quote, you don't make money during a bull market, you make money during a bear market matters where you buy it and then you ride it all the way up so i'm a big believer in a concept called dollar cost averaging which anyone that invests generally has heard of it or knows it it's i don't care if the market's up i don't care if it's down i don't care if it's sideways i make the same amount exact buy every month on the same day and i don't even look at it i don't care i just buy the same amount because over the course of time we've seen what happens which is the markets tend up and that's Real estate, crypto, stocks, bonds, like literally everything over enough time, it typically tends up unless it's kind of a gimmick or something, which is a totally different deal. And so when I'm looking at where to put money, really anywhere but the bank is a good bet. And then avoid chasing getting rich quick. That's one of the biggest problems is everyone wants to get rich quick, which, you know, same, right? It sounds amazing. The problem is that when you focus on getting rich quick, you typically don't get rich at all. And so if you can commit to the boring stuff and doing it consistently, you'll generally create a lot more wealth over time. And as long as you have realistic goals for the expectation you set, you can mathematically figure out what you need to get there. I've always had super unrealistic goals. And I never hit my goals. But if I get 80 percent to my goals, I've crushed, you know anything else. And so looking at that saying, "Look, I always wanted the option to retire by the time I was 40, which means I wanted enough passive income that I could make like 50, 60,000 dollars a month, no matter what, every month by the time I was 40. And in order to make that happen, I created an ecosystem to where I live well below my means now. All of that money fuels a holding company that itself. And it's, you can create these things to say, okay, mathematically, how do I get where I want to go? Because if you want to make a million dollars a year, you're probably going to have to work pretty hard. And a lot of people will approach it and they'll say, well, I'm going to make a million a year, but then I can mathematically show them if they're in a sales job, like, well, if you continue doing the activities you're doing at your conversion rate over this amount of time, you're going to make 120 grand. And so as long as you know, with hyper clarity what you want, you can always work that. That's some great advice.
0: (laughs) How have these uncertain financial times changed what you do personally? And how has it changed the advice you give to other entrepreneurs?
1: Sure, it has not changed it at all. I am one of the few people I know that is excited about this market, because it culls out the week. And we'll lose probably 30-35% of the active real estate agents over the next two years, which sounds horrifying, unless you work with competent business professionals because what happens in every recession is you lose the low-hanging fruit the people that are really more hobbyists than anything else and then the people that are business owners pick up all those onesie twosies whatever like over the last couple of years everyone's aunt cousin dad whatever's like oh they're a realtor now like i got to use them well i mean you know first of all you have to they're terrible but even if you do use them great But those people are not going to be able to afford to stay in the market, they're going to go get a real job again, because you actually have to work in the sales based industry. And all that business is going to go to the competent full time professionals. So it's actually a really exciting time. And then as far as investing in money, like, I'm thrilled, because we've had, you know, a lot of people complain, and I get that as millennials, we've had two recessions, which has allowed us the most beautiful buying opportunities. That we may ever see. Now I'll admit the first time we went through, I was a broke, you know, college kid. I had no money whatsoever. It was wildly unhelpful at that point. And honestly, a recession didn't impact me at all. I was a welder. Recession doesn't matter. Like it is okay, everyone else is broke. That sounds hard. I'm broke too. Here we go. But for this one, it's great because we've had eight years of just completely crazy bull market or eight years, eight to ten years of just crazy amounts of wealth being built. And as long as you take that and say, okay, I know it's scary, but if I dive in now and it's scary, you're going to set the foundation for the next 10, 15, 20 years of your life.
0: So you're basically, people should not be scared right now.
1: I have a really hard time panicking.
0: Well, Jack, it was a pleasure speaking with you and giving your perspective on the U.S. economy. Now, make sure you're keeping up with brand new episodes of Be Heard by following Noisy Trumpet on social media and online at NoisyTrumpet.com. Thank you for listening and stay noisy, San Antonio.